It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Three Women, Three Ways. We are the show that tackles some pretty tough topics sometimes. Today, we're talking about gender and judging. Um, Seems like I'm old enough where I remember talking about uh, women firefighters and women physicians and getting equal representation. For some reason, I don't remember talking about judges and getting equal representation uh, by gender with those, but maybe that's just because of the environment that I was in. But it makes sense that uh, we want equal representation for different genders, all the genders, uh, uh, in every career and on every career path. And I guess I just never thought too much about judges before recently. We have a woman, though, with us today who is guesting, and she has thought about it a lot, Dr. Sally Kenny. Welcome, Dr. Kenny. Are you there? I am. Thank you. Thank you. And shall I call you Dr. Kenny, or would you prefer Sally? You can call me Sally. Okay, Sally, thank you for joining us. You have done some work, not only uh, some um, research, but also some activism on uh, getting equal representation of women in the role of judging. And you've even helped uh, co-found an organization dedicated to that. What is your background? Why is this important to you? Well, I'm a political scientist, and my field is public law, and I'm very committed to women in politics and women's equality. And it's frustrating to me in two ways. One, both in political science, that people who um, are very interested in women in politics oftentimes focus on the presidency or Congress, governors or state legislatures, but don't look at the judicial branch. Um, And also it's the same is true with activist groups, whether it's Emily's List or other groups like that. They tend to really focus on women's representation in the legislative and executive branches, and they're missing out the third branch of government, which is very important on a whole array of policy issues that impacts women. Well, let's kind of back up a little bit for my benefit, since I'm not an attorney and I I confess that I have a certain level of ignorance here. But when we're talking courts, we're not just talking courts. We're talking um, at least two layers of courts some of which handle more day-to-day things, uh, everyday citizens, uh, I, I sue you for, for breaking my windows or I'm divorcing you. Um, and then there's a different level of court, and that court is more about policymaking. Am I um, butchering the theory here, or is that somewhat close? Well, we have, we have a, a parallel judicial system because we have both state, uh, state systems um, and we have the federal system. But all um, 
all judges are involved in making important policy choices, even if they're just deciding questions of who's, who, who is believable. Um, if people think, for example, that women are prone to lie about sexual assault or if they believe that uh, fathers, uh, uh, boys need to be with their fathers, even if that father is a, a repeated batterer, those judges, even in small kinds of decisions, are deciding who gets custody, how marital property is divided, who's guilty and who's innocent, which crimes merit what kinds of punishment. So it's not a question of only judges at the highest level um, involved in making policy choices, but all judges are making a range of policy decisions, even if it's just trying to grapple with how, how they can best faithfully interpret the policy directives other people have given to them. Okay, but we do have this this these levels this at least two levels, right? Because um, if I am going to the Supreme Court, that's a different thing from if I'm going to go to small claims court. Right. So the, that distinction is between a trial court and an appellate court. Okay. All and right. usually the usually the trial court is listening to the evidence and deciding the arguments, and usually the appellate courts are making, trying to make decisions that cross a broad range of cases, setting broad interpretations of the law that can guide all the trial courts. Okay. And so um, when somebody takes a case all the way to the Supreme Court, basically what the, that court is doing is deciding whether or not Every, all the rules were followed or whether um, um, uh, things were carried out in the way that is acceptable for the law is that, uh, or the Constitution or whatever? Is that somewhat? Well, it's, it's, not, it's not actually that simple. If you take, for example, um, oftentimes at the Supreme Court as well, the justices have to interpret all kinds of facts. For example, in Brown versus Board of Education, they had to weigh evidence that was argued that having racially segregated schools psychologically damaged black children. So they're deciding what, this, what they think is the strength of particular evidence as well as whether there's, for example, a constitutional rule that prohibits states from segregating by race. So many cases have that elements of that adjudication on both what is a fact and what does the evidence show and what is the law. In abortion cases, for example, um, Justice Kennedy um, said that um, women often regret and are harmed by, their, by a decision to have an abortion and are depressed, even though there's not any scientific evidence to support that decision. So uh, judges' views about what is true as well as what the law requires affects their decisions both at the trial court level and at the highest appellate court level. Okay. Okay. Um, so why um, is it important that we have women judges? I think it's really important that we have women judges first because I don't think we should have any sphere 
of employment in general, but also a sphere of government in a representative democracy that um, citizens cannot participate in if they meet the qualifications for the job. So when we have um, many qualified women lawyers and very few women senior jurists, I think that's sending a message um, that that there's unfair discrimination going on in who's being selected for those positions. So I think it's important for any position that people be able to rise as high as their talents take them rather than be told because of their gender, their race, their sexual orientation, or uh, that sort of thing, that they can't do certain jobs, that those jobs are for only a select few of of people. So it sends a really powerful message I also think that um, we, we really believe um, in the idea of representation, and I've just been reading a lot about the history of the, of the way the Supreme Court was set up, and we used to feel very, very strongly that it was important that we have um, justices on that court from all of the different um, states and jurisdictions. Um, because people would feel if, for example, you were from the state of Florida and there's no uh, Southerners on the court, you might question whether or not that was a fair decision. So we say in the judicial system it's important for justice to be done, but it's also important for justice to be seen to be done. So if you're an African-American defendant and you're sentenced to death by an all-white jury, you might say, I wonder if race played a role in their decision and whether a more representative and inclusive jury made up of members of my race would have made the same decision. And so it's really important for people to believe in the fairness of the system for them to not be excluded from participating in it. Okay. So does that mean then that um, women view things differently from men when they're on the bench? My argument is that lumping people together in that group uh, doesn't really help us understand um, how to advance women's equality on the bench. Um, I was recently at a conference in uh, Egypt, and one of the English women judges who was there to talk to women about judging said to me, I don't like the idea of girly jurisprudence. Um, And so I think if you put the shoe on the other foot and sort of said, do we expect all men to have the same position? Do we expect Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders to have the same position on issues because they're men. And most people find that to be kind of a ridiculous proposition. Uh, But somehow when you're talking about a group that's been excluded, people tend to make assumptions about difference, which aren't really often borne out in the evidence. So I think it's really important to have people on the bench who have a strong gender consciousness about how gender inequality works in practice um, and are very sympathetic to different kinds of experiences. But some women 
have that and some women don't and some men have that and some men don't. So we can't assume all women think one way and all men think another way. Okay, I think that's true. Um, If you would like to join us on our show, please give us a call or we have the chat room open and um, the chat room uh, is available online. The call-in number is uh, 646-378-0430. So if we don't have um, differing opinions um, being expressed by men and women necessarily, um, there is some study. There are some studies that show that um, I'm talking specifically about the Songer study and the Cruz Meyer study. That um, in fact, more women that they studied on a, a state court um, did tend to uh, be more sympathetic to um, uh, liberal positions, and that in fact, having more female representatives on the court also tended to influence male judges to have be more sympathetic to a liberal position. Now, they go into great deals. They're not necessarily talking about a liberal political position. They're talking about uh, a more of a humanitarian position. Um, do you think that study was an anomaly, or do you think that that's, that's true? I guess what I'm getting to is um, if, there, if, if we can make any kind of generalizations about people as a group, and I think sometimes we can, um, then having more female judges does that really influence or change male judges' decisions as a group? Or is that another um, thing, leap we can't make? So if it were the case that women as a group had different views than men as a group, we would expect to find that each study would confirm that fact. But in fact, as many studies have, have disconfirmed that, or people have operationalized it differently. Like some people have said, we hypothesize that women are going to be more lenient towards criminal defendants because they're soft-hearted. Other people say we expect women to be more tough on criminals because they are sympathetic to the victims of crime, right? So different people come up with different views about what the hypothesized sex difference is. And then sometimes they find it to some degree, and sometimes they don't. And probably the strongest evidence, even though I'm very skeptical about this evidence too, is the evidence that shows that women are slightly more likely than men as a group to be sympathetic to sex discrimination plaintiffs, and that they then persuade um, their colleagues to also be more sympathetic. Well, so it's interesting. So I think when you're talking, particularly when you're talking about a small group of appellate judges, there was a a study that showed that, for example, when Justice Ginsburg came on the bench, the argument was that um, Justice Rehnquist became more sympathetic to sex discrimination claims. And so the argument was, that, okay, well, when women are on the bench, men are uh, in, the, in the direction that you uh, pr- propose. But then when Justice Ginsburg came on the bench, people found no similar effect. So if, if it were true that women as a group decide cases differently than men and influence their colleagues to do so, I think we would see that 
much more reliably and consistently. And the fact is that ever since there were enough women on the bench to do this analysis, political scientists have been really obsessed with this question and they keep (laughs) searching and searching for this difference. And no matter how many times they don't find it, they're determined to look again. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I shared with you were some emails that we got from people more knowledgeable than me about this whole situation. And um, one of our, our my communicators said that um, in Florida, where she lives, there are actually, at the higher courts, there are actually more women than men, but it's at the uh, family court level um, that they're not seeing as many uh, women judges, and that when they do see the women judges, sometimes the women are not terrifically, um, how can I phrase this, um, you would expect them to be sympathetic to other women uh, going through situations of custody, for example. But in fact, and I think um, uh, Dr. Daniel Saunders out of um, uh, Michigan uh, discovered this in his DOJ study, that um, more and more adequate and, and uh, acceptable mothers are in fact losing custody to um some pretty um, difficult uh, uh, fathers. And that um, my communicator, uh, her name is Liz, said that she's seeing this more and more uh, with the uh, family court judges that are women. Now, I haven't seen any study on that that substantiates that it's, in fact, the women judges who are doing this more than the men judges. I have seen studies saying that it's happening a lot. Um, is is that something you've heard about, and, and can you address that at all? Well, one of the things that is argued about a lot is um, both for jurors and judges, whether they're more or less sympathetic to women in um, who are victims of sexual assault. Are they more likely to believe them and more likely to hold perpetrators accountable? And I think the evidence is really mixed because um, – so one one quality that we want in our judges is the ability to bring their experience to bear, their life experiences to bear, and that's why we want people to have a wide range of experiences. We want some people to be from one area of law and some people to be from another area of law because if you're a commercial lawyer, you may not understand the issues as well in criminal law, for example. But similarly, Um, We want people who have a wide range of uh, life experiences. If you've never been stopped um, for driving while black, you may not understand uh, people's wariness about police power. Um, If you've never feared um, that you were about to be beaten in an intimate partner relationship, you might not understand why people... um, are slow to leave those situations, even though we know when people leave that that's, that's the time when they're in greatest danger. Now, some, some men and some women are very um, able to have empathy and understanding for people whose circumstances are unlike their own, and others are not. So when you get women judges who have never experienced domestic violence, um, who, um, you know, haven't really thought about um, a whole history of not believing women victims of sexual assault and those sorts of things, 
you know, their gender consciousness could be indistinguishable from their male, their male colleagues. So I believe individual judges really matter a lot. So that's why it's important to have people on the bench, for example, as we do here in Louisiana and Orleans Parish, we have um, a woman in domestic violence court who uh, represented victims of domestic violence and one of her clients was shot um, in her presence. So she really understands that these threats are not idle threats. So I think, you know, we want some people like that on the bench. We want people who have a wide range of experience and then they can hopefully educate their colleagues. Um, but I think, um, I think, you know, for every um, person who, you know, for every woman you find who has a great feminist consciousness, you can find another woman on the bench who could be maybe um, holding women to an even higher standard. And the, and the evidence actually bears that out. There's an interesting study in the UK that about women who were deciding cases um, only on paper in appeals about whether disabled ch- children deserved more support for their caretaker versus in person. And what happened when the, the women were dealing with people in person who were different from them and whose lifestyles they disapproved of, they were much harsher than men and much harsher than they would be on paper. So, you know, some people are, are much more empathetic and compassionate about different experiences than others, and I don't believe that's a gender-linked trait. I think some men have that and some women have that. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, as individuals, we view the world through our lens, and if our lens doesn't go broad enough to include some of these things, we just uh, don't interpret them as, as as the same way as people who have have experienced certain things or who have seen other things. So, you know, I think that's very typical, that we we understand the world the way we understand it. Right, and what we want, what I think that's a really important thing to look for in judges is whether, you know, is what is their capacity to learn and grow and what is their emotional intelligence to have empathy for people who are different from them. Wow, I'm, gonna, I'm writing that down. What is their capacity to learn and grow? Um, and how do we, deter, you know, some of our judges are, are elected and uh, some of them are appointed. We as the electorate, how do we determine uh, whether or not a judge has the capacity to learn and grow? I mean, I think one of the things to ask them is, you know, you know, what sort of things do they read? Who do they associate with? Are they, do, are they open to different points of view? And even asking them for an example of something where they've really changed their mind on an issue and what led them to change their mind. Um, I think that could be a really instructive ask, question to ask someone, you know, because in judicial forums, you know, unlike legislative forums, we can't just go up and say, what's your position on, you know, the Second Amendment's right to bear arms or what, how would you decide this case because judges don't want to uh, take positions because if that, a case comes before them, then they would have to recuse themselves. But we could certainly ask them to give an example of, you know, give an example of where you seriously misjudged someone and you came to change your mind and what led you to change your mind. That's a great question. Very good question. 
Okay, so um, if we can't conclude that women judges necessarily make different decisions from men judges, why does it matter if we have better representation? I think it really matters to all the women who are being discriminated against who would make great judges that don't get to be great judges, as I've said before. Um, I think it sends a really powerful symbol when um, uh, plaintiffs or school children or citizens come before the court and they see that only a particular substrata of the citizenry is allowed to fulfill this role. I think they question whether or not those people are just holding that position based on their own narrow viewpoint about how things should be as opposed to trying to do what's fair for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it's, um, I think it sends a powerful message that we somehow think women lack the basic qualities that would make a good judge. So either they lack the capacity to be fair or they lack the capacity to reason or they lack the capacity to make hard choices or whatever. You're communicating that women are somehow how deficient. In the same way, you know, um, if you sort of say, you know, to this black child, you can't go to school with these other children. And you, you know, and say, why? Well, is there something wrong with me? It sends a message of stigma and deficiency to exclude people from these important arenas of power. Okay. Um, Okay. I think that makes sense. Um, uh, Sally, I'm looking at my timer, and I'm uh, seeing that we're we're about to run out of time here. We've only got four, four and a half minutes left. And um, normally our show runs for 60 minutes today. We're having some technical difficulties, so we're going to have a 30-minute show. And I apologize for the short shrift and invite you to come back. Uh, at your convenience, and we can talk about this topic more. But if you were um, going to leave us with one thought about gender and judging, what would it be? It would be to start start paying attention to who the judges are. There's a great group out there that's called Courts Matter that's organizing around the country to help people try to understand why it's so important to have a wide range of people on our federal courts. Um, And don't wait until you're charged with a crime or you're seeking custody or you're trying to get in for a lawsuit to find out that uh, the people who are supposed to represent you, the judiciary, are not the kinds of folks that you want in there. Take their selection as seriously as you do the selection of a president or a legislator because arguably they have even more power over your lives. They have the power to, in the state of Louisiana, put you to death. They have the power to take your children. They have the power to decide really important disputes. And so um, those of us that, that care about fairness and equality We need to really also pay attention to to courts because they're very powerful institutions. And I'd also really like to encourage women to think about um, putting themselves forward to be a judge. Uh, Talk to somebody as a judge. Learn more about the past. Encourage people that you know who you think are good lawyers to consider 
um, putting themselves forward to be judges because we really need we really need good people on the bench if we want the judicial system to be fair. I like that advice. I come back though a little bit to how do we really know about judges when we have a choice? How do we really get to know them? Because that's kind of tough. Well, it's not that hard, and so a lot of groups. Um, women lawyers groups, League of Women Voters, other court monitoring groups, they put out information about judges. Uh, in Louisiana, we have partisan elections. So, for example, we have our independent women's organization holds a judicial forum where we ask the judicial candidates questions. Um, Minnesota women lawyers and other groups oftentimes endorse uh, lawyers for judicial office and make recommendations. So it's no harder to educate yourself about the judges, really, if we put our mind to it, than it is about any other office. Okay. We didn't have a lot of time to talk about the Infinity Project, but could you just very briefly tell us what that is and why you Right. Well, the Infinity Project is to get um, more women on the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the seven states of the upper Midwest, in order to increase the quality of justice. And we started that project because there had only been one woman ever on the court in 61 years. And it took us a long time to get women in the pipeline and to educate people about that bench. But I think we've had some tremendous success. Um, President Obama, with Senator Grassley's support, nominated in the Senate confirmed Jane Kelly from Iowa who was a public defender, to be on that court. And I think that project, which anyone could look at and join, um, is a great example of what a few people can do to have a big impact on this issue. And so people could do that in any of the Thank circuits Thank you so that much, Dr. Sally Kenny. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. I, you've given me something to think about, you know, because quite frankly I never thought too much about uh, judges and women judges. So I appreciate this. I do invite you back when we can have more time to talk about your project. I end the show with a quote every week, and this quote is from Sandra Day O'Connor. I've always said that at the end of the day on a legal issue, I think a wise old woman and an old man are going to reach the same conclusion. And I have a great deal of respect for Sandra Day O'Connor. So uh, I will end the show with that. Again, apologies for a shorter show this week. And, Dr. Kenny, please, please come back and join us, and we can delve into some of these topics a little bit more extensively. So thank, thank you, you for, for joining us. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being a part of Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.